0: That shirt. Remember this! My Lord! What is this? Jimmy! I know this shirt. This is Andre's. (laughs) I am the greatest
1: giant to ever walk the face of the earth.
2: My name is Bob Bammer and welcome to the Wrestling 20 Years Ago podcast. We're going back in the time of to July of 1995, a volume one of this month's show. Volume two is the WWF uh, In Your House show and uh, things, discussions about uh, Jeff Jarrett and the roadie walking out. Uh, volume 3 is ECW. We haven't taped it yet, and these two shows will be online before we, in theory, tape it, although we should be taping it tomorrow. Um, so if you're in, like, the 1% of people that will listen to the show within, like, you know, the first 24 hours of uh, of us putting it online, um, yes, basically, it will, it, the ECW show may not be there, but for the rest of you, it probably will be here not listen to it. But we are on WCW for this month. Introducing first, Chris White. Chris, hello.
3: Hi, Bob, how you doing?
2: I'm good, I'm good. And Wayne Littler?
3: Well, hello there, Bob.
2: Uh, Wayne kicks off with the news.
4: Kevin Sullivan replaced Rick Fleur as head booker of WCW. The end of months of power struggles between the Flair and the Hogan camp over booking of major WCW storylines. The tipping point came at the request of Eric Bischoff, who wanted the head booker to work a 40-hour week in Atlanta, which Fleur was unwilling to do. That being said, Fleur will remain as an honour character in WCW and his contract appears to be unchanged.
3: WCW held their Bash at the Beach pay-per-view on July the 16th, literally on the beach in Florida, the Sunshine being the only noteworthy event of a very dull show. Hulk Hogan retained his title against Vader, ending a month-long feud by escaping the cage. Zodiac and Taskmaster of the Dungeon and Doom attempted to interfere, but they were fought off by Dennis Rodman. Elsewhere on the card, Randy Savage defeated Ric Flair, and in the pre-game show, Paul White came out and threw a shirt at Hulk Hogan, who identified as belonging to Andre the Giant.
4: Despite hopes that WCW can launch their new television show with some bright new stars, it appears like cost-cutting measures means that most of their targets will not be coming in. Al Snow did a tryout match with WCW, but apparently was never offered a contract. By the end of July, Snow didn't hear a word back from WCW, so took the WWF offer instead. It said that both companies are in talks with Sabu also, but WCW's issues are much deeper, with the expected budget of the new TV show being about a third of what was expected.
3: Paul White formally debuted as a member of the Dungeon of Doom, a week pay-per-view, attacking Hulk Hogan. While it's not being explicitly said at this stage, the idea seems to be that he is the son of Andre the Giant. He called himself the greatest giant who ever walked the face of the earth.
4: Lots of smaller news for you now. Firstly, Jim Helwig, a.k.a. The Ultimate Warrior, has been in talks with WCW. Hellwig is telling friends that the only holdup is money related, but apparently WCW are reluctant to given the WWF on the Ultimate Warrior gimmick, and WCW couldn't make any merchandise sales off the likeness. The Monday Night Show, debuting in September, is slated to start at the Mall of America in Minneapolis. It said that Hulk Hogan will wrestle in the match in the main event. And finally, it said that Gordon Soly, at his final set of tapings, said during an awful Dave Sullivan squash match, and they wonder why I'm leaving?
1: Solomon, my son, I'm already given you the Ugandan giant of But there is a force and a presence that we cannot ignore. There is someone that has shaken the rare white Bengal tiger. That's got him scared and shaking and hiding. Thunderbolt! We don't know, but we should get him in close, uh, to you and I. Who is this father? Who is this father? The number one contender for the bass at the beach at Ardenham Beach, California. It's night and night. Day Vader, Vader! Who called Vader? Who dare speak the name Vader? We do, Vader. What reason have I been brought to this dungeon of doom? Vader let's see what power you really do possess. The Master and myself are sending you on a road tour that will take you all the way to Bash at the Beach, right to the feet of the immortal Hulk Hogan. Go now and take the final step. Fear no man, go no I have the power. I fear nothing, God. <laughs> Mom, not crazy, now at the bash at the beach, we'll see how great his power is, because he'll have to do it alone. <laughs> <laughs>
2: We start July in WCW with Dave Sullivan on his date with the Diamond Doll. Dave takes the doll to watch the Lion King before Dave gets awkward at a posh restaurant. They get delivered a starter with a message that implies they're eating a rabbit stew. Dave rushes back to his car to check on his rabbit Ralph, who is okay, but then gets attacked by DDP and Max Muscle. We cut to the Dungeon of Doom and the top of the discussion is of Vader who enters the dungeon as if he's been summoned. Vader seemingly rejects the Dungeon of Doom, and Sullivan and Curtis predict we'll see how powerful Vader is on his own at Bash at the Beach. In the main event, Diamond Dallas Page against Johnny Vader went to a double count-out. After the match, Page uses the doll as a shield before he and Max Muscle double-team on Bad. On to July 8th, and we're back in the Dungeon of Doom. We've got a repackaged avalanche as the Shark. Every bit as awful as you can imagine. Kamala later wins a squash before being startled by the presence of Paul White at ringside. We join Vader on his roadkill tour. This is a series of pirate promos recapping his feud with Hogan intertwined with video clips. Randy Savage defeats Bunkhouse Buck in the main event. Reggie Oakland during the show plugged his hotline pushing the fact that the Ultimate Warrior will returning to the ring very soon you up the money to pay for it, you'd have heard Oakland tell you about Aurora returning to an independent show in Las Vegas. On to the 15th of July, and we see the debut of Zodiac, a.k.a. Butcher, a.k.a. Brutus Beefcake, in the Dungeon of Doom. He's painted his face black and white. Curtis tells Taskmaster that neither he, Kamala, the Shark or Zodiac will be tasked with taking down Hulkamania. Rick Flair won a squash match with the ringside surrounded by the Space Mountainettes, a bunch of ladies dressed in swimsuits. They acted as lifeguards, or lumberjacks, who would feature in his, his lifeguard match with Andy Savage. Savage ran out and attacked Flair. When Flair tried to leave the ring, the women threw him back in. Making his mark
0: here at World Championship Wrestling... On Saturday night, I'm talking about the Road Warrior Hawk. You know, we just concluded the big fourth of July holiday, and I'm very curious. I had a great one up in Minnesota. What did you do on the 4th? Well, you know, I was in Chicago, riding my Harley towards that big old lake shore, and watching fireworks. Fireworks kind of remind me. They remind me just a lot like me, because I'm the kind of guy I'll blow up right in the face. So I'm down. For some families, I ain't got them. Down some little slim old kid of theirs, whoops, up up, 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 carry bomb right on my seat, bam, it goes up, I go up, you need to know anymore, Gene. Sounds to me like you had a very eventful 4th of July, now, let's talk about what you're doing back at World Championship Wrestling, I take a look at the list of superstars, we've already seen you get involved with Colonel Parker's pride and joy, this big man, Ming. Ming is a big man. And see, that's what it's all about. Let's get down into the nitty-gritty, the dirty grind, the blood, all of that. You know, if I don't get some of that soon, I'm going to have to start punching myself. And that ain't no new trick either. I'll tell you something. Matter of fact, right here in the WCW, I'll bet nobody can hit me harder than I can hit me. And anybody wants to take the bet up, just mosey on up here. Check out the package. Because I'll tell you what, I ain't right up here. Never claim to be, never will be, don't want to be. <sighs> I thank you very much, Hawk. Uh, certainly delivering a very broad, but uh, a very clear message to a lot of men here at World Championship Wrestling.
2: And we move on to the bash at the beach. Uh, We'll start quickly with the uh, main event uh, before the show itself. Not a lot happened this month, not um, not anywhere near as newsworthy as some previous months they didn't... uh they didn't do anything massive, uh, in terms of uh, a pre-game angle. The only real thing of note, uh, they were presenting Hulk Hogan with a, a Harley Davidson bicycle, uh, motorbike, sorry, uh, and, uh, that'd be, it'd be funny, if that, that'd be some real cost cutting measures if they were presenting Hulk Hogan with a Harley Davidson bicycle, I'll tell you that. Um, they're presenting him with a motorcycle, and, uh, Paul White came out, the, the, the big giant fella, uh, and he threw a shirt at, at Hogan and said, uh, I think, uh, remember this, or something like that, um, and Hogan looked it and went what's this what's this and then he simply said uh, this belongs to andre um and that was about it the only other real noteworthy thing uh on the show was well the the, the very swift demise of alex wright in a post post rick flair booking wcw world right you will uh you'll recall back in uh, well last month uh wrestled and defeated brian pillman in a in a very very good opener at the great american bash show uh how did they follow up that up uh, in this case, uh, he wrestled as part of uh, a match with Alexander, Marcus Alexander-Bagwell. Uh, they lost to Bunkhouse Buck and Dostick Slater. And at the end of it, Vader came out, cleaned house and powerbombed Alex Wright. So that appears to be the end of that. But we'll move on to Bash at the Beach. Wayne, results.
4: Sting defeated Meng to return the WCW United States Heavyweight Championship. The Renegade defeated Paul Orndorff to retain the WCW World Television Championship. Kamala defeated Jim Duggan. Diamond Alice Page, with the Diamond Doll and Max Muscle, defeated Dave Sullivan. Harlem Heat defeated the Nasty Boys and the Blue Bloods in a triangle match to retain the WCW World Tag Team Championship. Randy Savage defeated Ric Flair in a lifeguard match. Hulk Hogan defeated Vader in a steel cage match to retain the WCW World Heavyweight Championship.
2: Chris, what do you think of this show?
3: Uh, I thought it was a really, really poor show. Uh, none of the matches really stood out to me. Uh, none of them really... Even sort of Flair-Savage, which for me was probably the best match on the night, didn't... It, it'd been good... There'd been good build-up to it, um, but it just felt really flat and lacklustre. The whole show came off as not really having much meaning to it. I really didn't enjoy it at all. Why?
4: No, for Sam, I mean, some of the matches going into it, you thought, yeah, you know, th- this this could have something about it. Um, and just going through it, I think this is, you know, probably the third time I've I've, I've been a guest on this show reviewing WCW pay-per-views, and this has and n- n- none of the previous ones were any good, and this has got to be the worst of the lot.
2: I was going to say, sorry, Wayne, you you had some uh, stinkers. I think I think you were <laughs> on with us for the. Uh, that Clash of the Champions show in January yeah. as well. Um yeah. but yeah, no, this was um it was almost like once they worked out they were gonna be outside in the sunshine at the beach, they thought they just didn't have to try. Um but the the, the card was a stinker going in. I mean let's let's be honest about that. Um and then when you factor in the Sting and Meng had an okay match, but I get the sense was really boring if you were in the live crowd because like, it was very slow. Um, Flair and Savage wasn't long enough or anywhere near as good enough as their match last month. Um, the main event wasn't anything special and the rest of the matches were, you know, with the exception of the triangle match, which, which has a lot of talent in it. Um, but has, a lot of issues with how they booked it in terms of the the triangle match concept. All the other matches were just filled with guys. I I could have told you that this this was going to be a stinker unless it was going to be propped up by one of two or three matches. Um, And it it simply wasn't. Uh, But we will come to... Each match in turn, we start the show with a Meng preview video and an interview with Sting. Sting says his mum and dad are in the front row, which is basically a good read that he isn't going to lose tonight. The show is outside in front of perfect blue skies. Michael Buffer is on hand to give this match a big fight feel to it. And we start with the United States heavyweight title match. It's Sting versus Meng with Colonel Robert Parker. After a quarter's opening, the pair exchange blows. Meng hits Sting with a pair of shoulder blocks in the corner. He then chokes him. The match continues at a methodical pace with Meng in control. Meng hits a body slam, then goes for a splash on the second rope, but Sting moves. Sting attempts the Scorpion Deathlock and asks the fans to help him along. He gets Meng over, but Colonel Art Parker gets on the apron for the distraction. Meng hits a Brain Buster, then a trio of backbreakers. Sting barely kicks out. Meng goes for a Sunset Flip, but Sting stands up in it and drops a leg on Meng's face. Sting hits a belly to back suplex and he slowly gets some control, he follows that with multiple clotheslines and a back body drop. Sting jumps on Meng's shoulders, Meng sets for a powerbomb but Sting rolls through for an impressive Hurricane runner. Sting goes for a running splash in the corner but Meng gets both feet up and Sting crashes hard, the crowd popped for that. Meng hits a second rope splash but Sting barely kicks out. Meng goes for a big kick but Sting ducks into a roll up and grabs a three count for the win. Men pops straight back up at the end of the match and attack Sting. Road Warrior Hawk then comes out to protect Sting. Wayne, what do you think?
4: Um, like I said go- going into this one, I was, uh, you know, I was quite excited about this match. Thought, you know, it's I'd never really seen these two uh, match up before. Um, and I, f- I just coming out of it, I just thought it was very messy. I, just, I don't think they've got good chemistry at all. These, it was. Uh, there was quite a few botches with with some of the moves, and yeah, I think you was spot on with what you were saying. If if I was in the live crowd, I probably would have turned away and, 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 and turned around and walked away. I just just didn't really have anything about it at all.
3: Chris, yeah, it was it was a very very slow match. It was really unengaging. It felt really cautious. Um, a monster like Meng shouldn't really rely on so many rest holds and abdominal stretches, and that carried a large portion of the early going. I did, it, like we, Sting is very, very good at working the type of baby face hero versus big bad monster match style, but it's just felt really, really flat. I didn't enjoy it. And is this the second consecutive month they faced each other on pay-per-view?
2: um uh, uh second consecutive would imply three in a row so no i think oh, it's well, just
3: two two t- yeah yeah sorry it's yeah so yeah the, they faced t- each
2: other last month essentially
3: yeah considering they faced each other last month they um they should, really should have been a more decisive finish to it as well rather than just a roll up it felt a bit cheap
2: um yeah, the, the finish I didn't have a massive problem with. Um, I suspect they might go for that second consecutive match, although admittedly it would would end up being in uh, in September at the next pay per view. Um, but yeah, this was this was a bizarre one. Um, it, it, you know, it, it was just far too slow. Um, there were some good spots. I mean, as I say, you know, the, it, it it was a match that I think might have. Wowed a lot of people say 15 years ago, but it's just, it, it's not a pace that I think you can get away with anymore unless there's a very good reason behind it. And I don't think that Meng was hot enough as a heel in front of this crowd, um, to be able to pull it off. But no, I mean, uh, it says a lot that this may have been my favourite match of the night and I'm, I'm a bit cautious about it, um, just in terms of, uh, it just never, it never got out of the gears. I said there was some nice spots. The Hurricane Rana was nice. The, uh, the bit where Sting goes for the splash in the corner and Meng basically kind of just drop kicks him in the face was a really nice spot as well. And the cameraman got really in behind that. Um, but it just didn't stick beyond anywhere it should. But that being said, by, by the end of the night, this was, was far from our, uh, our, our problem of concerns. And Wayne as well. Um, peculiar max placement this. Sting and, and Meng in the opener.
4: Yeah um yeah it was it was a bit peculiar um but given the other matches in the middle you you i can understand why it why it was there. um it, it was just uh it, it was just weird having um michael buffer at the <laughs> announcing at the start as well when just normally seeing him in the uh, in the main event part
2: yeah well i guess the the, you know, the 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 thought process behind that was he he was there to announce the United States heavyweight title match. Um, but no, it didn't work, and it is just a little bit of a shame that WCW didn't have a, a, a very successful opening match on last month's pay per view that they had absolutely no way of putting on this month's show. That there, it's just a real shame we, you know, there isn't a, a great Brian Pillman Alex Wright match that we couldn't have possibly rematched on the, on, on this show. But you know, whatever. Um, and then Roadway Hawk comes out, and I, I don't think we saw him after that. Um, But anyway we move on to the television title match It's the Renegade with Jimmy Hart versus Paul Orndorff The match starts at a pace Renegade if nothing else is capable of running quickly He sends Orndorff to the outside into the sand There are audible wonderful chants Owens ends up grabbing a handful of sand and chucks it into the Renegade's eyes. Somehow, the implication was that referee Randy Anderson couldn't have seen it, which is preposterous given that he was stood right next to both of them. Uh, Renegade hits a back body drop followed by two incredibly sloppy drop kicks. They were kind of like bicycle kicks almost. Uh, Renegade hits a belly to back suplex, and that's enough for the win apparently. Or does lift his arm, but that probably doesn't get probably doesn't get his shoulder up in time. Uh the fans aren't happy either. All off attacks to Renegade and hits the power driver, much to the crowd's delight. Renegade pops straight back up, drops to the top rope and takes him out. Chris
3: This was really, really terrible. It like it was only probably five minutes long and it was five minutes too long. Any amount of time that Renegade is wrestling is too much. He is terrible. And I mean in nineteen ninety five to have a the crowd so pro door he's like that's that's pretty um it speaks for itself it was really bad
2: yeah I think um I think it was Dave Meltz that said that WCW officials were kind of unhappy that this was kind of a pro heel crowd I don't get the feeling this was a pro heel crowd I think this was just a really anti-renegade crowd and and a couple of others but they were just you know they were anti kind of a lot of the Hogan names are a lot of the guys they perceive to be in positions that they perhaps don't like. Um, and, 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 yeah, it, it just didn't work. I mean, Chris, I, I, I'm shocking to recall a wrestler I've I've not only enjoyed watching less because, you know, Honky Tonk Man could easily fit into that category, but also one who's anywhere near this bad. I mean, he's, he's nowhere near ready. It's astonishing.
3: Like, he, he's genuinely terrible, but I don't think the booking does anything to help either. Like, the the finish, like, I know he got his arm up and maybe not his shoulder, but why even, like, why why did that happen? Like, there's no need for that. It just...
2: Well, well there they, probably is a reason why that happened, Chris, is that we're going to get a rematch of this next month at the Clash of Champions, I would think.
3: That's, um, that's not... I don't... No one wants to see that. <laughs> like, no one wants to see the rematch. Uh, It'd right no, if get, get, get your uh,
2: get your television tuned in on uh, August 10th, uh, 8th, 10th, whatever the Clash of Champions is. Uh, I would, uh, yeah, you you you'll be given the opportunity to see that. But yes, I think I think that's uh, how we can explain the uh, the finish, Wayne.
4: Yeah, he's he's, he's brutal to watch, renegade. Um, I mean, those I, I'm not even calling them drop kicks. It was just jumping and landing on his back. That's all he was doing. That's what that's what the move was. Mm-hmm. um and to finish, obviously, you know, it's the, the finish setting up as it was with, uh, with Orndorf saying he got his arm up, but to finish on a back body drop is, uh, you know, it's as, probably as bad as what the, uh, what the match was as, uh, at all. And like you said before, yeah, I don't, I don't think it was a heel crowd, uh, but the fact that the crowd was cheering for Orndorff at the end has surely got to, uh, point fingers at the, at the booking team to say, you know, this guy was was not ready to to have the title at all, um, and obviously all the talk of uh, you know Alex, Alex Wright not not being pushed, maybe you know they, they should actually see that that's the route that they should have gone down after all.
2: What a wonderful segue in what I was about to say, which was I, I have been reading in the last couple of weeks that apparently the Hogan camp feel that Wright is a threat to Renegade in a way that I cannot possibly work out. In the sense that they're both completely different wrestlers, and there's there's no reason that you there's no reason that right being pushed means that renegade cannot be pushed, even though right is far superior. The only way right is a threat is that you perceive them both as new acts, and you then think that right will will end up having a far higher chance of getting over than renegade does, which isn't a reason to not push right, but you know. Twisted logic, but yeah, the match was terrible. Um, it, it, it wasn't all that long, which is one of the only pulses I can give it. Um, and yeah, like Orndorff isn't relevant anymore, and and if he's getting, you know, the kind of smart reaction, then that's not good. That's that's not a that's not a good sign. But yes, the uh, the renegade train rolls on. I think that's probably. Uh, a fair way of putting it. Anyway, we move on. Uh, we get a pro from, uh, Jim Duggan who says he's not playing Mr. Nice Guy anymore. Uh, we come out with Kamala with the Taskmaster representing the Dungeon of Doom versus actual Jim Duggan. Duggan is wielding his 2x4, the crowd are quite into him and the USA shtick. Uh, Duggan keeps working on trying to knock Kamala off his seat. He eventually gets him down. Kamala locks in the long bear hug. Duggan hits some strikes in the corner. He then hits a body slam, sets through his three-point stance clothesline, which he hits. He then goes after the Taskmaster on the apron. The Zodiac comes in from the other side of the ring, hits Duggan with Kamala's headgear, and Kamala wins the match. Wayne, that match report was mercifully short, but this was terrible.
4: Yeah, it was. Um, I'm going to touch on it a lot more after when we uh, when we talk about the Dungeon of Doom. But what is the booking team thinking of here? Because all I can think of is they formed this new stable. Um, you know they're going to be going after uh, Hulk Hogan. They need to build them up as much as possible. So what do you do with, uh, with with one of the guys? You put him in a comedy match with with, Hogan, uh, with with Jim Duggan. Now the match didn't have lots of comedy spots in it, but. That's how I view Jim Duggan now. He's just a comedic wrestler. I don't view him as any threat for anyone or anything like that. If you put in Kamala in and trying to put him over, put him in with someone where you can just squash him and get the match over and done with with you know a minute or something like that. Um, you know, don't put him in a match where Duggan has, has got a chance to uh, you know to, to to obviously get some offense in on on Kamala. I just don't think it did anything at all.
2: No, and, uh, and you say you see a match as comedy because it features Duggan, and I wouldn't disagree with that, but I kind of see a match as comedy because it involves Kamala, Taskmaster, and Zodiac. That's kind of how it comes across. It's a lot of guys in, in, in wacky face paint and headgear and, and all that kind of thing. It's just very strange. Chris?
3: Yeah, much the same as the match before this one, but like, I have less of an issue with Jim Duggan because sort of like, he plays that like, not even mid card babyface, just low card babyface, like, pretty well. Like, like, it gets the crowd going. It's probably as, as into anything as the crowd has been is like sort of when he's in the ring. The, the act I have the biggest issue with is sort of Kamala and the Dungeon of Doom in general. I just think they're terrible. Like, I, I have more issue with them and like this, this match was far too long. Like, and it was only about five minutes. Again, it was really, really bad.
2: Yeah, um, yeah, no, I I can't really disagree with any of that. Um, Well, you you jumped the gun a little bit on a Dungeon of Doom chat, but I think you've largely summed up what we're going to say. But yeah, it's just really bad. Like I don't know, like there's just again we'll come on to it later. But the the, the minute they they debuted um, Butcher as Zodiac, I I kind of just my my head hit my hand. and I just went, what are they doing? But we'll we'll come on to that later. But yeah, the, the match was just garbage really it was just it was like it wasn't as bad as the match before but it was probably genuinely like more of a waste of time because at least i can watch a a renegade match and admire how awful he is um this was just watching a match and thinking why am i watching kamala against actual jim duggan in 1995 like why i i I don't know i don't have a good answer for that but it's just all very strange it's all very indicative of a of a negative direction that the, uh, the company is going in, but we will, uh, we'll come on to that more uh, uh, a bit later on, and we move on to Diamond Dallas Page with the Diamond Dole and Max Muscle versus Dave Sullivan. Uh, a child offers the Diamond Dole some flowers. DDP doesn't look happy. Dave storms out and rounds the flowers into DDP's face. Dave keeps up the pace and the intensity, hitting multiple suplexes. He goes over towards the toll, but the distraction gives Dallas a way back in. The crowd seem to be amusing themselves at this point. Dave sets up for his inverted inverted bear hug, but Max Mossel gets on the apron. Dave gets distracted, and Paige hits the Diamond Cutter for the three count. Chris,
3: this again, much the same as the last two matches. It was just really, really rubbish. And Diamond Dallas Page is is good. Like I like him, but it, 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 I don't know why he's working with Dave Sullivan. And the, the I, I'm hard pressed to think of a pay per view with three matches in a row as bad as these three.
2: Uh, go, back, go back and watch Slambery. Okay, well, yeah, that that was
3: um, uh, oh,
2: I mean that that was the one that ended. That that was the we, we it was only male. I think what it was now. Um, it, the third one was the match in black and white. Um, between oh, yeah.
3: no, yeah, I was yeah. I, Were I you mean, on that show? Yeah, I think I was. The black ah. and white match I was on that. Yeah, I do remember that was yeah. Well, this is this is close. This is this still
2: this is real close.
3: Yeah, this is as. As bad as it gets, really. I mean, what Dave Sullivan was introduced as being accompanied by Ralph the Rabbit. Uh, yes. That, I, I, I don't. That went way over my head. There was nothing there.
2: Well, I right. had to fill in the story on that. In that, Dave has been recently carrying a pet rabbit um, to the ring, which was a gift uh, from the Diamond Doll a couple of months back when uh, Dave got uh, attacked. Um, by somebody, I can't. Dave got attacked in a post-match angle that wasn't really anything to do with him, but he was a good guy. I think Flair, that's right, Flair attacked him when when Flair came back. Um, and so Dave kind of went to a hospital. Dol went to visit him, gave him the pet rabbit. So that's the reason he's got that Ralph the rabbit. I I can't believe I've, I've remembered that and I've had to explain <laughs> it, but that but that is the backstory. That is it. So um, and that's,
3: that's that's a lot of the the story of this match is like. His interaction with Diamond Doll, and a lot of that is based around a pet rabbit. Like, it's just really terrible, really bad.
2: Yeah. Uh, Wayne?
4: Yeah, to pay homage to Golden Soully, and you wonder why I'm hating on this pay per view all that much. Um, it was. I, th- I thought
2: you were going to say you wonder why this is my last appearance on the podcast, and I don't think I can blame you. If you
4: said me. it. <laughs> yeah. The, the, the only note I've got down for this match, well, two really. One is boring, and the, uh, and the other one was, uh, uh, the bell rang, and Dave Sullivan used the flowers to attack DDP. That should have been match over. DQ. Um, foreign object being used. So, uh, that's when it should have ended.
2: That would have been far better than what it, we got.
4: Of, of course, of course.
2: Ah, but, 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 if we'd have had that finish, we would have got this match next month. And I, okay. I think, I think, I think given, given the nature of the finish, um, uh, I think we might be spared getting this one next month. I, I, I hope I'm, I hope I'm right. Uh, but yeah, this was just, uh, you know, three for three, um, or three in a row rather, the, the, the opening match wasn't, was anywhere near as bad as the next three. Um, but just, just a poor match. Uh, as I just put at one point, the crowd just seemed to be just, you know, amusing themselves at that point. They, uh, I think the impression you got throughout the show was that this wasn't particularly a crowd that was especially clued in to like the 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 smaller parts of the storylines or in fact even the bigger parts of the storylines so i think rather than seeing Diamond dallas page versus dave sullivan as a culmination of something that probably started in february they're seeing i don't know this guy versus i don't know that guy in a match that wasn't very good, with a lot of stuff going on, storyline rise around it that wasn't particularly interesting, and I think that's why that suffered from that point of view as well. Um, But yeah, a a third bad match in a row. And we move on to the World Tag Team title Triangle Match. It's Harlem Heat with Sister Sherry versus the Nasty Boys versus the Blue Bloods. Uh, Triangle Match essentially is... um, well basically three teams round the outside of the ring and two of those members of two of the teams in the ring at the same time so essentially there's two men in the ring and four on the outside you can tag in anyone you can tag yourself out etc etc um and as a, uh, as a as a as uh, a as a sidebar, uh, Robert Eaton, Lord Eaton, sorry, is being billed as being from Stoke-on-Trent, which I thought was quite funny. Uh, anyway, uh, we have a uh, long delay for a coin toss. Um, uh, the, but, uh, to, to fill in this match report, essentially, this match report could have been about five minutes long, given the amount of really small things that happened. But I've I'm reading my notes verbatim and I, I did try and leave a lot out um, The match breaks down from the start with all three teams getting involved Regal does his usually excellent sell job of the pit stop We eventually gets to Nobbs against Booker T until Regal tags himself in Eaton gets bundled to the outside and gets laid out by Sherry Ray and Eaton are the legal men The Nasty Boys team on Stevie Ray in the corner Booker T goes for a kick in Nobbs while he's in the corner Nobbs hits him so hard that he falls to the outside Regal then unloads on Booker T. He then tags in Sags, who starts attacking the Blue Bloods. Plenty of brawling and lots of regular tags from all three teams. Regal goes for a sunset flip, but Knob sits out on it. That looked very painful for Regal. Sags' back body drops Booker T onto Regal. Sags then sits on top of both of them, and the referee completes the count. But the Heat were judged to won the match as Sags was sat on Booker T, who was deemed to be covering Regal. Wait, I will give them this. As confusing and as cop out of finish as it was, that's not something I would have been able to come up with.
4: No, um, it was, yeah, it, it was very confusing, um, but I, I thought when, when Booker T was, was on top of him and uh, it was a bit stop start with uh, with the nasty boys and then Sags uh, made the pin, all what was going through my mind is Booker T's gonna get the win here um so yeah it was it was out of out, out the blue of the finish and you know some of us might never have come up with it i just think it ruined it a little bit for me
2: and it's also the classic wcw thing of let's do the false finish well not the false finish it was the finish but let's do the false crowd pop when they think the the baby faces have won the tag titles and then rip it away from them that's happened a yep. lot even even in this feud really mm. uh which has been going on for a while uh chris your overall thoughts on this match Well, yeah, just to add on that, there was
3: no no screen anywhere, was there, so unless you were within the There
2: there was one screen, I think, but I think you had... Because of the sunlight, for one, and just because of the angle of where it was, it was kind of next to the entrance ramp. You had to be at a really specific position to be able to see it. Um, So, yes, to to fill in the point I think you're about to make, most people in the crowd will only have got one look at it.
3: Yeah, and even even then, unless you were in particularly close proximity, you probably didn't realise what Booker T was doing, like... You probably, you might not have seen his role in that and, like, just had no idea what had gone on when they were announced to have retained the titles. Um, I mean, it was, it was a vast step up from the matches prior to it. It was, a a little slow for me for how tag team wrestling is typically. It's usually quite, the formula was, uh, like, it's usually quite fast paced. And this, although there were frequent tags, it's just felt sort of like a, a, uh, mundane rotation of sort of minimal offense. Rather than any, uh, points of it. The match itself is a bit flawed in why would you ever, ever tag in someone from another team. I understand tagging yourself in if you're on the outside, but if you're, if you're, uh, Booker T, why would you ever tag in Regal and take your team out of the match and have no chance of winning it? I, it's just very flawed for me.
2: Yeah, I I almost kind of think it might have been a better match if you'd have had like all like a member of each team in the ring, and then a member of each team outside of the ring, and almost have it like a three-way ordinary tag match where each team has one guy in the ring, and if he can get to his corner, he can tag in his opponent. I think that would have been far more logical. Um, it's tricky. I mean, you, you know, the, the, these triangle matches we haven't seen many of them. Um, I know we had uh, we had one also that famous one ECW, ECW. Um, 18 months ago um but yeah no nothing that um but yeah the, the, the way is it fair to say this match was kind of it was a bit kind of numbing watching it just with so many small things going on nothing really stuck
4: no i mean i, I actually enjoyed this match in all honesty um I, first of all i like the commentary team how it was actually questioning uh this you know the same thoughts as what i had as why and, and what chris just said on why would you tag another team, um, you know, another team uh, member in um, instead of your own? But to play devil's advocate with that, the only thing I can think of is you, you tag somebody else in, you let them beat each other up. When a pin goes in, you go and you go and break it up. You let them beat them up a bit more, and then you do the uh, the blind tag and get yourself in the match. Um, but. Um, I'd, I'd, I'd like to say, I'd, I thought it did a, a, a better job of, of actually putting the concept of the match over than, than the actual match itself. Um, and, you know, if, we, if we're going to see more of these, then uh, apart from the little stop-start all the time, um, uh, you know, I think we can, uh, you know, see, see a you know a, a better a better concept of this moving forward.
2: Yeah, it... Um... It wasn't great. Uh, I thought it was okay. I mean, eminently more watchable than, than, than the three matches that came before it. Um, but yeah, it was just kind of, it, it almost went, it, like it went on quite a long time and not a lot happened. And it I was think that's kind probably, of,
4: sorry.
2: Go on, go on, go on. Go no, on. I was just going to
4: say, just to, to go ahead, I think that's probably why I did actually en- enjoy the match when the previous three before it um, were just uh, mind-numbingly boring and dull.
2: Yeah. Um, but I, I, I think I, I think you're right, but I think it would be putting uh, a, a, probably a, a, a too bigger amount of praise on a match just because it wasn't quite as bad as what came before it. I sort of say it wasn't enjoyable; it just wasn't particularly good. Um, as for the finish, yeah. Um, you know, it, it's WCW. I come to expect it. I mean, as I say, how we've 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 had a we we've had the false title change with the Nasty Boys against Harlem Heat a few months back. So you know, that it's not they have not got precedent for it. Um, mm. but yeah, it, it just it was fine. It was just one of those things where they 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 clearly rate these three teams, fair enough. Um, and the idea of having you know kind of all th- all three teams in the same match at the same time okay uh i would want to retool it though and work out a better way of doing it i don't know whether my idea of having three guys in the ring at the same time necessarily any better um but i think it takes out some of the logical issues and it probably makes it fractionally easier to follow um but yeah long long story short not as bad not anywhere near as balanced stuff that came before it but but i don't think it was as good as it could have been let's say that uh we move on um Rick Flair cuts a promo. Bobby Heenan stands on the, uh, stands on his chair and his contribution to get a better view of the female lifeguards coming out. And we move on to the lifeguard match. And despite what happened on, the, on Saturday night prior, the lifeguards were actually WCW wrestlers and not just attractive female women, which would have been a, a different vibe. It's Rick Flair against Randy Savage. So he starts with a 10 count, uh, 10 punch in the corner, but Flair drops him. Savage gets dumped to the outside and the nasty boys in the Harlem Heat nearly go at it. Savage gets dumped to the outside again and collides with the cameraman. He ends up in the sand, which time he suggests they should just bury him. Uh, Flair attempts to suplex Savage into the ring. Savage reverses it and Flair ends up on the outside. Savage locks in a sleeper, but Flair grabs Savage's uh, le- leg and le- gets out of it. Flair starts working over the knee. He locks in the figure four. We cut to Angelo Poffo in the crowd. Savage fights back, but Flair hits a suplex. Savage throws Flair to the outside Flair goes to make a run for it, but the lifeguards run up the wave and get him back. Saric drops the double axe handle from the top. Arn Anderson gets to the ring, but Saric knocks him down. Saric throws Flair over the top rope, but the nasty boys catch him. Meanwhile, Anderson runs in the ring and nails Saric with a DDT. Erasing the referee doesn't see it, but Saric still kicks out. Saric goes for a backslide, but only gets 2 count. so dumps Flair off the top then hits an axe handle, then hits the top rope, drop, and picks up the victory. The very face live guards get in the ring, and celebrate with Savage. Chris?
3: I mean, it was probably the best match so far of the night for me, but I think that says more about the whole card in general. Uh, it was, it was, it was fine. Like, it was like, a good six out of ten standard, like, followed a formula, like most Ric Flair matches do. Um, I liked how it started fast, Savage for a lot of punches early, and it, that that like piqued my interest. Having pretty much every this card been very very slow up until this point, uh, but it 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 did really drop off in the middle part. And uh, I've, uh, the, the surprising part, I thought Savage pinning him clean like th- th- that that did surprise me. Just like I don't know why, but I I, I didn't expect it when it happened. Um and the other point is the over the top rope rule again being very stupid. And then Heenan uh actually picks up on it and says, Well the match should be over. He receives no answer and explanation and there's just an awkward bit of silence on commentary. Just really stupid.
2: Yeah, I I try not to worry myself with the you know, the, 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 the inconsistencies of WCW's application of their rules. Um but yeah, uh wait.
4: Yeah, I went in with uh, with high hopes, uh, but I come out a little little underwhelmed. In all honesty, um, it, it was fine for what it was. Um, like, like Chris says, you know, it was probably above average kind of uh, performance between them. Um, you know, fast paced uh, starts of the match, and um, and then it was you know it was just you know your common common end to. to Carry on with what Chris just said, though. Yeah, I was, I was I was very surprised over the um, or you know, over, over over the win that um, macho Man took and how clean it was. Um, in the news that we that we read out before, is is it a point now where uh, where the booking responsibility has has, has come away from flow now?
2: Oh yeah, that happened at the end of the month. Yeah, that was, right, that was okay. like the first week in first week in uh, July that changed over. Yeah,
4: so I mean that that probably could have something to. Uh, to do with it then I
2: suspect Flair would have lost here even so you're right maybe not quite as cleanly, but I didn't see this and think oh that was a massive change in direction I kind of saw it as more of well let Savage get the the second win even as a clean one but with a view that Flair can talk his way back into the third match probably in September Um, so yeah no, you're right to point that out but I don't think that was a massive factor in this case um Wayne any more thoughts
4: no, no no that was just pretty much it
2: yeah I mean it was a uh, you know having watched their match last month at the Great American Bash and it being uh, it's a it's a decent case to say it was the best match of 1995 certainly if you take ECW out of the equation it becomes a very difficult thing to argue against um yeah, this didn't have any of the redeeming features that last month did. Um, and also I think we're on the second match of July. You know, we, we, we factor in the, in your house, uh, main event of Diesel and Sid, which was a, a lumberjack match, um, also. And yeah, I think we're on a second lumberjack match in the same month where the lumberjacks probably hurt the match rather than helped it by, adding a lot of unnecessarily moving parts to to the match you know i, I don't get the feeling Sarge and flair really needed it um you know and it's kind of like i, I know flair does you know i know flair did try and run this match but it wasn't the kind of few where i thought well you know because flair won last month he didn't particularly try and leg it um so you know it, it didn't particularly feel right that we'd have this this is the kind of gimmick match and yeah there's also the thing that aren't lifeguards meant to save people rather than throw them back into danger but we'll uh i suppose we'll, we'll, we'll overlook that one for the sake of a, a gimmick and to appearance of some baywatch models um but yeah it um you yeah, know the, the, the match never really got out of of any gear and i wouldn't expect that flair and savage could consistently have a match that was really much worse than this um but yeah, it was it was probably on the low end of what I would expect from these two, and given what came before, it very very in fitting I would say with the um, with people probably batting slightly below their average. Uh, we get a pro from Hulk Hogan and Dennis Rodman, and we move on to the WCW World Heavyweight Title match. It's Hulk Hogan with Jimmy Hart and Dennis Rodman versus Vader. We are inside a steel cage. You can win by pinfall, submission, or climbing over the top rope, uh, over the top rope, over the uh, over the side of the cage. Uh, Hogan starts by uh, running Vader's head off the cage, and then goes for a ten punch in the corner. Vader gains control by using the cage to his advantage. Hogan then rounds Vader's head into Vader's headgear. Hogan then puts... Oh, that's right. Vader, not not his mask. Vader has his big kind of... Um, I don't know what to call it, but it's kind of the, the thing he walks out with that looks like a kind of like robot suit on his head and shoulders. Um, he put that in the ring and then Hogan basically round his head into it. Um, Vader then hits a Vader in the corner, then goes for a second, but Hogan is still able to kick out. Hogan rounds Vader's head off the cage again, then attempts a body slam, but cannot get Vader off his feet. Vader attempts a splash on the top rope, but Hogan rolls clear. Hogan clotheslines Vader into the corner but Hogan's second attempted body slam sees Vader fall on top of him Vader locks in a sleeper Hogan then finally hits the body slam uh, but goes down clutching his back Vader hits a splash but Hogan kicks out then starts hulking up Hogan hits a weak mid boot so much so that Vader doesn't even go down outrun the task, Mattson and Zodiac but Dennis Rodman fights them off Hogan drops the leg then goes to climb out of the cage Vader follows him they fight up to the top rope Hogan knocks Vader down and crops himself on the ropes, then climbs out of the cage to retain his title. Wayne.
4: I could probably sit down to this match, be blindfolded, and then um, just tell you the, the layout and the formula of it. Um just the usual Hogan match, he first of all he used still uses heel tactics, he gets beat down, back and forth, gets beat down, back and forth, hulks up, wins the match. Um, the only difference being this time is uh, he obviously didn't do the leg drop and go for the pin. He he, he just climbed out. But it's just a standard Hogan match, which I'm uh, I'm, I'm I'm painfully getting bored
3: with him now.
2: Chris, yeah,
3: I, I I mean it didn't really feel like the end of the feud. Like I know it is, but I, like it should, like I didn't understand why Hogan climbed out of the cage i mean it was just as wayne said it was just very run-of-the-mill um and to for this to be sort of a blow-off for that feud i mean how it's really really underwhelming
2: it's been an underwhelming feud though really i mean it's kind of been a a feud that's been more noteworthy for its politics and, and to a extent, its business significance. Given that these two certainly are super brawl and are uncensored did uh, did some good pay per view numbers on top, but this is going to be a feud that's remembered more for the political movements with Flair kind of fighting Hogan. Um, and, you know, Vader having his own kind of demands in terms of, uh, I'm, uh, I don't remember exactly what heavyweight championship he's, he, he used to hold in Japan, he doesn't hold it anymore. Um, but yeah, Vader said, look, while I'm, while I'm this champion from, from, from over in the Japanese promotion, I'm not losing clean here. Hogan's like, well, I ain't losing. Um, and so we, yeah, you know, we've got the things where, you know, Flair has to insert himself into a match he's not even in just for the sake of coming up with a finish that, you know, doesn't really make any sense anyway. Um, but yeah like i I kind of feel these two could be involved in a better match, but I don't get the feeling either of them are particularly motivated to want to try um and yeah, it was just it just one of the particularly inspiring match. It wasn't long enough to be any good, it wasn't designed to be any good. um, you got the bit with the uh with Zodiac and Taskmaster running out that you know, I don't get the feeling anyone there would have particularly enjoyed uh wayne, any thoughts
4: um well, just a, a more on this match.
2: Yeah. Anything else?
4: Uh, no. Just uh, the the only other thought I could probably come up with is uh, Rodman needs to hold the chair properly when he's uh, when he's when he's looking all threatening.
1: Well,
2: I I, I will forgive a non-wrestler not being able to properly swing a steel chair. Um, <laughs> no, I I, I, will, I will do that. Um, and that ended the show, or at least it did for me, because uh, I turned off at this point because I thought that was the end of the show. So I got quite a shock when Saturday Night came on the following week. And they said, "Oh, there's been more," so I had to go back and dig out this uh, dig out this show uh, and turn back on the final five minutes of it because they cut back to Shivoni and Heenan and they said goodbye. And the I don't think the credits started rolling, but they you know, they just cut, so I just turned it off. Um, but no, the uh, the show hadn't finished. Uh, Vader is in the ring, being you know a bit pissed off. Uh, Flair runs out in a vest and underpants. Yeah, that that is not an exaggeration. Um, not not like ring gear, like genuine underpants. Um, and then just starts berating Vader. Vader starts pushing him. Vader goes to attack Flair, outruns Iron Anderson, um, and, uh, yes, uh, Vader runs them off and basically says, Mouse of the camera, uh, I want you in a two-on-one match. Chris, uh, I presume uh, you two weren't shooting up as me just to turn off uh, abruptly, uh, but what did you think of this uh, this post-match angle, or post-show angle almost?
3: I thought it was uh, interesting. That, like, it was... Um like, probably one of the only noteworthy things on the show. Like, it's nice to see they're not just sort of, they're actually going to try and do something with Vader. Like, they have, they, he's not just going to sort of fall to obscurity. They actually have a sort of feud in mind for him. That, that, but it,
2: but if, the, if the feud is turning in face, is that a good thing?
3: Uh, well, I mean, there's not much room left for him at the top of a card as a hill. So, even if, he, like, just to take him out away from that Hogan storyline, having worked with Flair for a while, I think that is a good thing. Like, I mean, if he's not if if he's not going to win this belt, then, like, I'm glad he's doing what he's doing.
2: I don't know. I think it's it's difficult to book the monster babyface who isn't the number one um, because then you end up having to beat him in really odd situations. And I also... Just think, Vader would be a really bad babyface. I may be wrong on that, and I'll happily, I'll happily be proven wrong. Uh, Wayne?
4: No, I'd, I'm, I'm, I'm with you on, on that one, Bob. I, I was, I was very much interested by it, and I'm very intrigued because it's something different for, uh, for, for Fleur and, and for Vader as well. But uh, if, if they're going down the route of, uh, of turning him first, then, uh, I, you know, I, I just don't see any positives out of it because, uh, you know, he, he'll just be kept down. Um, about fourth four or fifth on uh in the in the pecking order. Babyface um, baby
2: face side? What or overall?
4: Babyface uh, baby face side.
2: Uh behind Hogan, Sting, Savage, and, um and, and
4: possibly Renegade. And ooh. you know, you yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like you know they're, they're all they're all behind renegade and uh, and and I think he would be. Um, so uh, that's that's my thought. But one thing one thing I did like about it was when he was doing the promo um, to the uh, to the camera uh, and he just you know looked so violent when he was talking and the blood was spitting onto the camera and uh, you know I was, I was just really buying into uh, to, to him delivering the promo in, in that way.
2: Chris, your overall thoughts on this show and a score rating out of ten. Well. Uh... The, the
3: best matches were maybe average matches, so I, it was just, there was nothing noteworthy. The only, well, the only noteworthy thing, and like, obviously you two aren't particular fans of the angle, but the only noteworthy thing was, uh, what happened when the show seemingly went off air, uh, but it, it was just terrible. I, I mean, a, a 2 out of 10, maybe, but that's more about how bad the, uh, second, third and fourth matches were. The and the other the other four matches on the show were okay but no better than that. So maybe maybe two is slightly harsh, but I mean three at most. Why? Dumb I'm, I'm giving it a straight two,
4: yeah, and I don't even think it is harsh. Um some you know, like you said, the the, the matches that we thought that were uh the the best ones on there were, you know, Average or just above average, and then you know, the Renegade match, uh, the Dugan Kamala, um, Dave Sullivan match was just bringing it down to a minus. Um, it didn't even get a rating, that's how bad they were. So, in yeah, I think it's just a straight two for me.
2: Yeah, I'm, 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 uh, I'm with you guys, I gave it a two as well. Um, it just, you know, we, we had King of the Ring last month, which was awful for a number of reasons that were very similar and a number of reasons that. Well, so similar. I don't think the the booking on the show was was all that bad. Um, uh, you know, I think the, the time for Vader to win the title wasn't now. Um, Savage probably did need to beat Flair, so that was about right. Um, you know, the, the the tag titles they didn't need to take them off off Harlem Heat at this stage anyway. Um, so that was about right. And the stuff earlier in the card was what it was. Um, so yeah, I think in terms of who won the matches, that's probably like half of the score rating I'm going to give it um but otherwise just just a, a properly rancid show a properly kind of just really really dull and like i think the worst thing is is that you go into it and it's like this looks bad on paper and it comes out bad it's like, well, you can't be you shouldn't be surprised by that there, there shouldn't be a that shouldn't be a shock to anyone that you can set up a match like this um and have these kind of guys involved and the other thing to say about this show is uh, we didn't particularly comment on it a lot but uh, the crowd were you know, i mean w c w were trying to imply there was like fifty thousand people on site, which there certainly wasn 't I mean I was well technically, I suppose if you count the entirety of Huntington Beach, maybe there was fifty thousand people on it in terms of the circle of people around the ring, we reckon the estimate was nearer six or seven thousand, I think um although it is worth noting that that crowd certainly dropped off by the time the main event came round. it it, it certainly depleted because i don't think people were paying for this it was just you know rock up and watch a free wrestling show because you can't really can't really crowd control a beach um but no it was it probably what it was probably a horrendous show for a spectator because there was no banking there was no seats you just stood on a beach for four hours um, and you know, if you're stood behind someone you can't see, and given the ring's not high enough, once they do the mat stuff, it, it becomes uh, it becomes problematic. But yeah, like a a show that that, that screen disappointment going in actually managed to deliver I think even more than than uh, than any of us could have expected.
1: Hurry, my son, get away from the stove The real white Bengal tiger approaches. here? I've never been here before. Ah, It's not hot. What is this place? I know you. I know you too. You tour behind the demise of Hulkamania. I know about the Zodiac. I know about the dangerous Kamala. And oh yeah. I know about the man-eater. The shark. But instant stone is a legacy, the immortality of Hulkamania. And you too will be buried beneath it. You don't understand. Hogan. This is where darkness dwells and lives. Nobody has ever been able to defeat the immortal Hulk Hogan except yourself. You see, Hogan, you're the one that created me. And because of that, it's this simple. Your demise is etched in stone! Uh, uh, <laughs> My power is a million times greater than the power of Hulkamani! Uh. I am the greatest giant to ever walk the face of the earth, and I am the one true immortal. <laughs>
2: We open the July 22nd show with a click from the end of Bash at the Beach with Vader challenging both Flair and Anderson. We see Hulk Hogan enter the Dungeon of Doom. Taskmaster said Hogan's demise was etched in stone before Paul White debuted and choked out Hogan saying he's the greatest giant to ever walk the planet. There's a really nice pull apart standoff between Ric Flair and Vader. Vader came out to confront Flair and a bunch of WCW jobbers came out and to hold Vader back. Flair, separated by about five rows of people, was happy to give Vader a lot of verbals. In the main event, we see the title change where Bunkhouse Buck and Dirty Dick Slater defeat Harlem Heat to win the WCW World Tag Team titles. Robert Parker interfered, striking Stevie Ray with a boot to aid his side in victory. July 29th starts with a long sit-down interview with Hulk Hogan, who is very sombre, talking about Andre the Giant, and he affirms the idea that White is the son of Andre. Hogan says his new legacy will begin when he wrestles on the main event next week, which will see him slowly take on different members of the Dungeon of Doom in the coming weeks, it will seem. Carl Robert Parker and Meng visit Kurosawa in Japan to ask him to join their stable. Back in America, Parker and Sherry get into a confrontation, and Sherry will team with the Heat against Buck, Slater and Parker at the Clash. If Sherry's team can win, the Heat will get their rematch. In the main event... Flair beats Marcus Alexander-Bagwell. Vader came out and attacked him, but Anderson ran out and DDT'd Vader to end the month.
0: The heavyweight champion of the world, Hulk Hogan. I have known Hogan for 15 or 16 years, very, very close with the man. This past week, we received comments from Hulk Hogan in a very special interview. It's a side of Hogan that, quite candidly, ladies and gentlemen, I have
5: never seen before. Very compelling and very emotional. Hulk Hogan. You know, I think about Andre the Giant all the time. I talked to Jimmy for hours about it, man. I miss him a lot. You know, at his funeral I fought for hours to to hold back the tears, man. I I sat in the row with his best friends and we cried, man. We cried and talked about him all day. You know, I'll never forget the Pontiac Silverdome. The largest crowd I'd ever seen and how they yelled my name. I felt, man, that it was just unfair. Yet they weren't yelling his. I mean, he was the greatest. I knew the biggest challenge of my life was going to happen that night in Pontiac, Michigan. The size, the power. Man, I didn't know how I was going to do it. I got lucky that night, man. I came out on top. Changed my future forever. But the one thing I'll never forget about that night when I went against Andre was when I looked at him, man. That feeling of fear that made me question what I was all about, man. I came out on top that night, man, but I never thought I could do it again. You know, when they buried Andre, man, I felt like part of me was buried with him. I put that all behind me. (sighs) You know, I can smell him, man. I can feel him. His presence is everywhere I go. (sighs) Recently in Huntington Beach, California, you know, I was on a roll, man. I, I had Vader right where I wanted him. Hulkamania is higher than it's ever been. Being the WCW champion, I felt undefeatable. And then Jimmy warned me about this big man that had been stalking me, you know, about the fact he was everywhere, you know, scaring the heck out of people. And then all of a sudden I felt this aura, this presence. I felt Andre, man, right in my face. And when he threw this shirt at me on a live interview, I knew that I couldn't run or hide or even fool myself anymore. I felt Andre, man. I felt his presence. And as he scared me to death and said, remember this. I realized those rumors about Andre's son was around or that maybe one of Andre's family members was out to get me became real brother. And the one thing that chilled me to the bone was that feeling that I thought was buried with Andre that went through my body from head to toe. And I realized just a few weeks ago that the greatness, the immortality of Hulkamania would be challenged again. And then one more time, I'd feel the power of the giant. And then somewhere in my heart, and soul, I'd have to rise, to face that challenge again. You know, I had a long talk with Jimmy Hart about this thing, brothers. I told Jimmy, I don't wanna live this way anymore, man this is his shirt i've seen him wear this before one of the last times i saw him he had this shirt on you know jimmy i'm tired of being haunted man i said go on the offensive man get aggressive get this thing done for me after what happened last week on the dungeon of doom the way sullivan had this giant stalk me he snuck up on me when his hands were around my throat i fell under the giant man I felt his presence. I knew right then that power he possessed had to be hereditary, it had to be handed down. And once again, I was haunted, man, that feeling of fear that was buried with Andre the Giant. I had to live it one more time and now I want that part of me back again. That's why I told Jimmy, I made the decision to go on the dungeon of doom That's done, man. There's nothing you can do about that Jimmy Hart brother. I want Sullivan and I want each and every one of his men because I know that road leads me to that giant at the end of the road and that piece of me I'll be fighting for will be something that only if I beat that big man I can get back. But next week on the main event, I'm going to wrestle brothers and Jimmy Hart, whether you think I'm right or wrong, get that deal done, man. Because one at a time, I'm going to prove that it wasn't a fluke when I beat the giant the first time and now... I get a chance to prove once and for all that Hulk Hogan is the greatest wrestler ever. Starting next week when I wrestle on the main event. The legacy of Hulk Hogan lives forever, brother. Because then I go to war next week when I step in that ring.
6: Kevin Sullivan replaced Rick Flair as head booker of WCW on the 5th of July. The story has been brewing for months, as you'll have heard us discuss this year, with Flair's power base being slowly eroded by the growing influence of Hulk Hogan, Randy Savage, Jimmy Hart and Associates, and their divergence in philosophy with Flair's. Not surprisingly, it seems like the Hogan camp favours the dominant babyface slaying heels approach that made Hogan so successful in the 80s. Flair is more in favour of an NWA territory style of heel champions with chasing babyfaces. It should be said, however, that this is far from the only thing the pair have differing opinions on. We have documented earlier this year how Hogan and Flair have clashed at the top. In April, having seemingly lost all control over any semblance of the Vader and Hogan feud, Flair ended up being dragged around all four corners at the WCW Uncensored show, so Hogan could win the match without Vader looking weak. But the effect was being felt lower down the card too. Friends of Hogan have been slowly taking over WCW's television and pay-per-view over the last 12 months, no better illustrated than The Butcher main eventing Starcade in December. Perhaps the Flair-Sullivan switch was best illustrated by Alex Wright. Wright was viewed quite highly by Flair, who pushed him as an undefeated wrestler right through until May, when he finally lost to Arne Anderson. Flair had taped a match, ending Wright's run himself, but felt so bad that they retaped it with a dodgy finish. How did Wright follow up defeating Brian Pillman in June on pay-per-view? Being on the losing end of a pre-game show tag match before being powerbombed by Vader. More recently, it seems like Flair has been losing more and more power. Savage, a big ally of Hogan, is still angry at the change of the finish at the Great American Bash, and Flair was dead set against Vader being put into the Dungeon of Doom. It's said that the straw that broke the camel's back was Eric Bischoff wanting the head booker to work a 40-hour week in Atlanta, something Flair was unwilling to do. He will stay with the company as an on-air talent, and his contract that runs through until 1997 seems to be unchanged. As for Sullivan, he is largely in the same position that Flair was, but is seen as someone who is a lot more pliable. Largely, his role will be bowing to the whims of Hogan and Hart whilst being able to have control over the rest of the card. It's also thought that Sullivan, being in a position of power, may restrict WCW's acquisition of ECW talent, as Sullivan may want somewhere to work in the event he loses his role with WCW. Uh,
2: Wayne, we, we move on to um, discussing probably the big story of the month as we covered in the news. Um, Rick Flair replaces head booker by, by Kevin Sullivan. It's a story that has... You know, if you've listened to any WCW show this year, you will have heard a chapter of this story, some more, you know, easy to spot than others. You know, sometimes we've done kind of full readers on it. Other times it's just little things. Um, but, yeah, essentially Flair has been fighting an uphill losing battle with with, with Hogan, Savage, Jimmy Hart, and, and others in that camp now. Um, and it basically, it seems like Hogan's won. Um wade i I kind of get the feeling that Flair won't be massively gutted that he's not having to deal with all this anymore
4: no I, I mean obviously with with what Bischoff was wanting him to do uh more hours and uh, uh with with where he currently resides and you know with with the amount of hours that he'd have to do he'd, he'd surely have to have to move with his family and I think that was a big no-no for him so yeah I, I think he'd uh be slightly relieved about it.
2: Um, uh, Chris, I think you know, given flair's you know kind of experiences this year um and given that his his power base has been increasingly eroded, do you think that Kevin Sullivan has kind of been brought in as a guy who while he's got the experience and 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 you know the knowledge and potentially the talent to be able to book this kind of thing, do you think Sullivan's more of a selection of so, yeah, we can kind of tell him what to do
3: yeah definitely he's he's he'll be put into that role to act as sort of the yes man. As as you say, the head booker has in, increasingly less and less power and less and less manoeuvrability in terms of what what he can do with the wrestlers he has on that roster because there's just so many people in that Hogan camp who have that sort of like creative control and then they look after their friends and they look after their friends. So, and so it's, he, he was just sort of probably sort of a figurehead for that and then Hogan's camp can sort of run away with it and do what they want
2: as things move forward yeah I mean it's a it's a weird title it's head booker but it's not really head booker it's kind of you know here's the bits you're responsible for here's the bits you can't get involved with oh and here's the bits we we need to Tell you what to do just because it, it fits in with our wider story. And so it's not really head booker. It's it, it, it's a false title really. Um, but it it it's Jimmy Hart and Hulk Hogan and Randy Savage really the, are the three guys that are that are calling the shots. And Sullivan, you yeah, know, one thing um, that, that Stuart mentioned in that audio piece just then was that one. I think one of the perceptions is is that you know Sullivan is a guy who may not be around forever, and one negative WCW might have is that Sullivan may be reluctant to go looking for ECW talent, given that he may end up needing a job there in the future, so there's that. Um, But yeah, it it was a story that I I would say was almost inevitable. I don't particularly, because I'm not entirely sure they've even actually asked Sullivan to 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 do the forty-hour week in Atlanta anyway, um. I think it's just more they wanted a reason to get rid of Flair, and so they decided to give him an unreasonable request that they knew he wasn't going to make, and they're like, right, okay, you're not going to do this. We're going to bring in someone else to do the job. But equally, I don't get the feeling. I, I can't imagine Flair is all that bothered, you know, given all the hassle he had to go through. I see we I, I referred to it earlier that match um uh, uncensored, where Flair wasn't even in the match, end up getting dragged around all four corners by Hogan, which was, yeah, you know, very symbolic when you think about it. Um, but also just the fact that it's like, what a hassle! What, what a your your head booker, and because your your two biggest guys cannot get over the fact that they don't want to lose a match or you know whatever, you've got to come up with this, an incredibly clunky solution that involves you, know, you you getting your ass literally dragged around the ring. Um, but yeah, we, we transitioned from that quite nicely into the, the, the dungeon of doom segment, uh, or segments. I think I sent a couple of reviews guys to have a look at, um, Wayne, I'm, uh, last month I was speechless. I, 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 probably largely still am. Um, but I, I think the, um, this wasn't a joke I had lined up, but I think this segment officially jumped the shark. I think when, uh. <laughs> when uh, when john tenter aka earthquake aka avalanche came out and put his put his right arm out forward clutched it with his left arm and just shouted shark attack shark attack shark attack over and over again he's now the shark by the way um, I think I officially went, wow, this, this by any standards is something impressive. And that's not even, way not even getting onto the fact that The Butcher is, is, is in the stable as well. This, it, 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 astonishing.
4: Yeah. Don't, don't forget the backdrop of, uh, The Jaws, uh, theme tune as well. Well, that's uh, that. Which was, uh, yeah, just a total rip-off. But, yeah, I mean, yeah, you, you, you gotta, you, know you couldn't have, uh, have have said it better with uh, with the pun uh, that they completely have now. jumped the shark! Um, if you know if they've not learnt anything from the three faces of fear, then they, they just need to just stop bringing ideas to the table because uh, it's just it's terrible.
2: This is it actually worse than three faces of fear.
4: Oh, much worse, much worse. Um,
2: but, but they clearly haven't learned anything from the Three Face Fear, Given exactly. that the Three Face Fear are, are now back together, having had like a breakup feud of about two months, and they yeah. are now reunited in the Dungeon of Doom, all under different names. It's it's incredible.
4: Yeah, it's it's, it's just um, watching it. It's 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 very unbelievable. Um, you know, you you can't imagine that these guys have uh, have just changed their um, you know the, the 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 gimmick, the character, and. You know the the, the zodiac is, is is another one as well. I mean, I've just lost count how many uh, how many different um, gimmicks this guy has had in the space of the last few years. It's uh, it's, it's it's just one too many. And to, to buy into a, a stable like this when you're just comprising the you know the same guys together and uh, and trying to sell it as a, as a different aspect is uh, is is pretty ridiculous.
2: Chris, your thoughts on the of Doom?
3: I, I mean, there's not much more to say than what you've already said. That they, they are just awful, and I agree, much worse than the three faces of fear. Um, the, this, it's just the shark. I thought, like, it's just got to be some sort of like.
2: They just I actually burst out good. laughing when he debuted. I, I, I just like, wow, because I knew he was coming in, and I think I may have read that he was coming in like under this kind of gimmick, but it was just about. He looks exactly the same. Like, he's tied his hair back. That's it. I think he's wearing the same ring gear. It's, it it it's, is terrible. I don't know. I, 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 who knows? I mean, you know, it's. It's clearly a significant stable, and the other part of this we're going to come to is that uh, in the TV following the pay-per-view, uh, Hulk Hogan went to visit the dungeon of Doom. There was a quite a funny moment where he kind of lands in the dungeon and then goes, where am I? And it's like, well, Hulk. You'd have bothered watching any of the last six weeks of television. You'd know, and not that it particularly makes sense. Um, but yes, we we basically ended this segment with uh, Hogan being attacked by uh Paul White, um the the, the guy who's basically playing the uh, the son of Andre the Giant. Um, Chris, what what do you think of this segment? Because I mean, I I was speaking to Stuart Brooks about this, not not anything we recorded, just having having a chat about it about you know Paul White coming in. I kind of said, well. If you wanted to debut him as, as as the new Andre the Giant or the son of Andre the Giant, why didn't you just debut him as the son of Andre the Giant? Why do you need to bundle him in with all this, Chris? I don't understand.
3: Yeah, like I just it is like he does not fit in the Dungeon of Doom at all. And uh really undermines any attempt of the uh the giant as a character. He doesn't need the Dungeon of Doom. As you say, if he's coming in as Andre's son, there's the story there and th- that, uh, the, uh, segment with the interview with Hogan is like, you don't often see Hulk Hogan in that type of, uh, state of mind. He's quite emotional and he's quite, uh, it-, it conveys fear and, uh, things like that. And it, like, that, that's a really good story. Like, that, like, use that. You don't need the Dungeon of Doom there who are just a joke. They are, like, just terrible.
2: Why?
4: Yeah, I mean, yeah. Being in, being in this stable, uh, with these guys, um, it doesn't fit for him. Uh, if, 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 the stable is what it is with the Free Faces of Fear and Kamala, then, um, then yeah, bring him in on his own, debut him as Andre the Giant's son, um, you know, have a, you know, I've I've a, a, a long running feud with, uh, with, with Hogan, uh, and then the big payoff at the end. Um, it just, it takes the shine away from him. Now he's with these, uh, uh with these cartoonish characters. Um, but I think it would work if you are bringing him into a stable. If you if you've not got those guys in, you know, a, a new stable, Dungeon of Doom, um, nothing to do with the Free Face of Fear, and just have have, have like uh, you know all all these monsters in there um, who are going to trying to kill Hulkamania. Um, you know, there's, there's there's other guys that they can bring in and, and not bring in the you know the same guys and and just rebrand them into uh, I- into different characters. Um, but uh, yeah, like I said, it just takes the the shine off it a little bit because uh, you, you're bringing him in with uh, with all these cartoonish uh, um, characters, and and it, it just doesn't doesn't build him up as as what you probably could do.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's just just, just imagine a scenario where you know Paul White like, had not featured in any way, shape, or form on WCW television in the last four months. Not that he's featured a lot, but he's he, he's been seen every now and then. And imagine that Hogan beats Vader here. Vader walks to the back, and then Hogan's celebrating, and then White walks out and just squares up to him, uh, and that's the send off to the pay per view. Like, you, you could have had the same like dire pay per view, but with that moment on the end, that would have sent I think would have sent people home like shocked and happy, and would have given you a great transition into the kind of the second half of the year. Um, but no, it, uh, he is guilty by association, I think, and it, it, it's going to be tricky to to get him over if if the audience perceives the rest of the guys as you know jokes is he a joke by association maybe um but no it will be it will be interesting to see kind of what they do with it um uh, and where they go with it in terms of you know He's a sizeable guy, and we come back to this this Hogan interview um, that I think we will have played at some point during the show. I haven't edited it yet, obviously. Um, I, Chris, you mentioned it, but Wayne, I mean, a, a, a very different side of Hogan, and I, I don't know. I, I I liked it given the way it was delivered, but I didn't love the whole. Yeah, you know, I don't think W C W need to be in a massive business of reminding people how great. Hogan versus Andre was in comparison to what they're doing now.
4: No, um, it, 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 the, yeah, there was a totally different side to Hogan, you know, side that I've, uh, I've, I've very rarely seen um, before. Um, but the, the, the one standout of it was uh, they, they put WWF over in it. It was, uh, you know, I've, I've been in the largest crowd um, in the Pontiac Silverdome, the largest crowd I've ever performed in front of, um, and, and all I got from that was. You're just saying how big WWF is compared to uh, to WCW.
2: No, oh, no, absolutely true. Uh, we we segue from this story into uh, well back into 2015 really. Um, the story this week uh, that broke about you know Hulk Hogan being you know fired by the WWE pretty much. Um, it's a story we, we've kind of got to be a little bit careful of what we say, uh, and I'm not I'm not you know that there are other shows that will do a far better job analysing this in a far better way. Um, but Chris, we're we're in a a very interesting time in the sense that you know that for for all intents and purposes, and and you know Hogan didn't kill anyone, so you know let's let's be clear about that. Um, but they've essentially for the short term at least, Chris Benoit, Hogan from their website. Um, and, and Chris, this is a a potentially monumental moment.
3: Yeah, I mean, like if you type in CM Punk on WWE shop or something, of I mean he comes up. Now Hogan doesn't like that. That's like so. He's he, like it's 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 crazy, really. Like it's just sad for all parties. Like like it's hard to really talk about it. Whatever WWE had done, if they hadn't removed him from everything and they'd just sort of fired him, then they'd be criticised for that. But having at least attempting to remove him from things, and then there's people saying, "Oh, are you going a bit too far?" Like it was. There was no nothing WWE could have done as a company that wouldn't have had like had massive downside for them. I mean, but like, it's it's just sad. I like it, the the comments are just awful and um pretty shocking. And like, I don't I, I don't really have any sympathy for Hogan, but I it's it's really hard to what to make the whole thing as it develops. Really, yeah. Why? Yeah, the same. You know, I'm, I'm I'm quite
4: shocked by by the comments of what he's done, and um, you know, quite taken aback by it. Um, but with um, and what what they should have done is is cut ties with him in the sense of, you know, you you remove from if he's on a legend contract or whatever kind of contract is on with them. You know, we're going to have to you know sever ties with you in that sense. But you know, in, in regards of you know putting him in. You know, obviously, I've got to be careful what I said. But putting him in the same banding as uh, as Chris Benoit, um, I, I just think it shows double standards. Um with it is completely wrong. What Hogan's done, I, I granted, uh, but it's you know just complete double standards on on WWE's part. If uh, if you ask me, with you know you can there's there's things that you can find via the network, which is um, which is as bad as what he said.
2: Yeah, I mean. Uh... I know I mentioned Benoit at the start of the point, but let's let's not get you know let's not get drawn into that in the sense that it was more a kind of illustration rather. I, I don't you know I don't want people to think I'm saying that um you know they're they're perceiving him the same way they're perceiving Benoit. I think it was just more a case of it was an illustration of kind of what they've done in terms of you know they have stripped him from the website. You know I I don't think many people would sit here and say that WWE have done anything wrong here. In terms of this week, you know, you, you, as you alluded to, there's there's plenty of stuff going back in history. Um, some of it they 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 can't control, but a lot of it they could have done. Um, where you know they, they've been guilty of you know similar type of things, and there are certainly wider issues in terms of w, uh, the WWE's own um, pushing of black wrestlers, which um, you know has been. I don't know what the right word is to use, but I, I will say poor. I think over the years in terms of the the, the, the talented guys they've had. Um, but no, you know I think in terms of what happened this week, given the story that was about to drop, they didn't really have any choice. That you know, for as a as a marketing and public relations exercise to have Hogan on your books while this storm, you know, we we say blows over. Not that it, not that even if it, even if the end is today, it won't blow over for a long, long time but there are reports that there's more to come. Um, I think that they did the right thing. But, Chris, I mean, it's, you know... To, again, I don't want to keep mentioning Benoit because it, it, that's a horrible comparison, but, you know, uh, Chris Benoit as a part of WWE history certainly wasn't insignificant before what happened happened, but he wasn't a big enough name where you can't have a history that doesn't involve him. Uh, but, Chris, it, it is impossible to have a a history of the wwe and not be able to mention hulk hogan that that's that's you know that that goes back to what we saw wrestlemania 10 on the podcast a few months ago it's it's the you know it's the wwf back then you know basically saying well hogan's with wcw as is savage we want you know given that this is you know 10 years since the first wrestlemania uh let's showcase all the celebrity stars because we can't mention hogan or savage chris and it's a it 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 cannot happen, surely. No, but I, in the
3: same way, like, it, I, I know you're not saying they're the same level at all, but it is very different from Benoit in that, uh, like, do they need to ever mention, well, until, the, like, for a long time, Hogan won't be mentioned on TV or won't be used in montages, and that's okay, they Airbrush him in the, from history in the same way they have done Benoit. Like uh, it, on the network with Benoit matches, there's a warning, and there's even a, like, and a parental advisory setting where you can you could you can turn it off. So I think if you have young children and you didn't want them to watch Chris Benoit matches, you can it, it removes any Chris Benoit matches from the, like any show that he's on it's not on there. But there's, oh, there's I, d- I didn't
2: know that. Yeah, and think- there's also the thing that you you can't search Benoit matches either. Um, yeah, the- so, and I
3: mean, I don't think this will ever go to that extent. I mean, they'll just probably leave it untouched. But I mean, from today onwards, just just don't promote it as heavily. But in mean, in a year's time, like if they're do- like heading into Mania '32, for example, and they've got a video package um, like going back across the years of WrestleMania, I don't think if Hogan's in it, people are going to be shocked and appalled because like that they're dare use that because it's such a big part of their history um it's it's not to that benoit level but in the short term just just don't mention it, don't use anything to do with him as a promotion what i was thinking of like as another is like people who I, I can't imagine it will happen uh particularly soon but in the long term people who wear Hulk Hogan merch or something like that to a wrestling show just like like stuff like that. Oh yeah, is, they're is, not
2: getting that in. Oh, I, I, I can guarantee you that. If anyone tries fancy dress of the you know the the 80s WWF superstars, uh, they're not getting let in. As Hogan, I can, uh, I can guarantee that. They, Short term
3: Yeah. So it's it, I mean, it it's just it's just a really difficult position for them to be in. But I I don't I don't think they need to just like yeah. Can he be using montages and things like that? I, I, I mean. It's hard to, like, for me to say, oh yeah, I'd be fine with that. Well, that's, it's easy for me to say. But, um, I, I don't think, generally speaking, there'll be uproar about that type of thing, given time. But, uh, for now, I mean, just steer clear.
2: Yeah. Wine?
4: Yeah. Same again. I mean, he's, he's a massive part of the history. So yeah, I mean, it's all pretty pretty sour at the moment and and, and quite fresh in in people's minds. So you know, referencing him or uh, you know you know speaking about him in any way, then you got to you know you've got to take a back step on on that. Um, but yeah, later down the line, like next Manny, you, you can't in my opinion you can't not reference him. You know, he's he he, he made wrestling what it was in the 80s he he, he he brought it into to pop culture um and you know would would wwf have have gone through the the late 80s early 90s w- without him you can't not reference the guy when he's has been a, a big as a, as a figure of what he was back then
2: no yeah i, I think you're both right i think you know. I don't want to say time heals all wounds with this kind of thing, you know, because you know for for some guys it is more difficult. But time, I think, will be a big factor here. Um, and you know whether whether we'll see Hogan heavily promoted again is a different issue. Whether we'll see Hogan in a in a a WWE arena ever again is another issue. Um, Excuse me, but I think in terms of the short term, yes, they they I don't think they had a choice um the the storm was so big and it it, you know, it could get bigger um that you know they they had to do what they did and yeah i I think time will tell um but but it is weird to think that it is slightly strange to think that this could be it i mean you know, i know in a sense that hogan was t- with with t n a for about three years, four years something like that, and i know when you know WWE came to their own history they weren't massively keen on promoting hogan so it's not Completely unprecedented that they might take a bit of the shine off Hogan, but once he got back in the circle, you kind of thought, okay, that's it. Um, you know, you know he, he's he's back in a bit like Warrior was. You know, they, they they rekindled, they reunited with Warrior, and then they ended up with you know selling a load of merch and creating documentaries about it and all of that. Um, you kind of thought, once Hogan was back in the circle. Hogan was going to stick. As it is, it is kind of weird to think that that might be it for Hogan as a you know, as a guy WWE can use and as a guy they can promote, um, that's a strange feeling and one that time may or may not prove correct. Um, but anyway, that will end this month. Oh, Chris, you got anything more to
3: say? Uh, yeah, I was just going to say it wouldn't surprise me if, if there is no mention of him in the build up or at, he certainly wouldn't appear, but I mean, just, just to do with him at, uh, at WrestleMania 32, purely because it being in Texas, I mean, you could have the focus on, like, The Undertaker, like, that, that type of, like, just play up more on that, and then that, like, you just, they're able to steer clear because of where it is, and it's going to be such a big card. I don't think they'll have necessarily any, um, need to use him promotionally, so. Yeah, I,
2: I mean, think, there's a way of promoting WrestleMania 32. That, that doesn't need to you know massively go overboard on you know this was Wrestlemania 29 years ago you know what I mean uh, yeah. you, you don't you don't need to Yeah, you know, I know they like to I know Wrestlemania is the name that's been going for 30 odd years but you don't need to do the whole big long montage of this is where we came from you know just forward promote rather than backwards promote that, that is a that is a way of doing that but anyway that will wrap up this much show uh, thank you firstly Chris White thanks for having me again uh, Chris, you are on Twitter. Where? Uh, Chris White fourteen. Excellent. And Wayne Lithgow. All
4: right, um, yeah. Before uh before I uh, give my Twitter handle, uh hope you don't mind, Bob. But you did such a wonderful job of uh, of putting me over. The last time I was on, um, it's only kind that I return the favour by letting everybody know you uh, you was uh, had a little birthday. Uh, Wednesday uh, Wednesday just gone. Oh, well, key, well,
2: but well thank you very much. well. I did actually I did actually drop the, that reference on on the WWF show this month. Uh, a bitly you guys haven't heard it yet because I haven't published it. Um, but because I share my birthday with Shawn Michaels, which is a good way of, of, of people being able to remember when my birthday is. Uh, and Shawn did name drop the fact it was his birthday the day before in your house too and so i then pretended i was four years old um <laughs> so yeah uh, but yeah so i, I turned 24 on uh, on wednesday this week um if you want to know when it was you can look up Shawn michael's birthday and you can you can work out everything else uh but yes thank you very much wayne uh, no problem so uh, i and wanted
4: everybody i wanted all the listeners to uh to get in touch at bobby bamber and uh, and wish you a belated happy birthday
2: lovely lovely and thank if you want to
4: thank me for it they can get in touch at wayne l84
2: Excellent, excellent. Anyway, that will, uh, wrap up this month's show. As I say, the ECW show, like, if you've listened to this, you know, the ECW show should be up tomorrow night, but, you know, usually they all go up in one go, this won't. So people might have downloaded this and maybe listened to it on Monday. ECW show we re- should be recording that night. Uh, volume two is WWF, as I mentioned a minute ago, that is um, in your house too. Uh W show is well the end of Shane Douglas. W D- WS Show Part Two is kind of the beginning of Dean Douglas. So that's a that's an interesting double play. Uh anyway, um you can find me on Twitter at Boy Bamber as as uh, as Wayne quite nicely mentioned. Uh, uh also at Wrestling Twenty bar S. It's wrestling twenty bar R S for uh, Facebook and dot uh, com for the website. Uh all the info's on the website really iTunes, RSS, uh, email newsletter, all that. Website's been quite quiet, but I've had a lot on this month. Uh hopefully Admittedly, next month's worse, but hopefully, kind of come September, October time, I can pick that back up again. Um, but anyway, I've been Bob Bamber. This has been Volume One, the July, July, nineteen ninety-five edition of the Wrestling Twenty Years Ago podcast. And until next time, goodbye.